Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the House That Hinky Built podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Frank. And per usual, I am hosting this on Spotify Green Room. Today, the uh, plan is to uh, bring on Paul Hedrick, who was recently hired as the community producer at Louis Ballers. I will be working below him now. Excited for that. Um, we've, had, we've had Paul on Green Rooms before. I've had him on the podcast. Um, but we're going to talk about the uh, kind of the fallout of the Ben Simmons news yesterday. Keith Pompey of the Philly Enquirer reported that uh, Ben would like out of Philadelphia and at the moment does not plan to report to training camp, which starts in about four weeks. So um, we'll get Paul's take on that. I'll provide my entire view of it. And then maybe if we have some time, we'll, uh, we'll kind of dissect Joel Embiid's uh, tweets today. I think there's some interesting, interesting stuff there. But the main uh, the main platter, main course today is going to be uh, discussing, you know, this, this Ben Simmons situation, which, uh, you know, opened a new chapter. You know, yesterday. So we'll invite Paul on stage and excited to uh, talk. And as always, if you have any questions and you want to have us address them, um, feel free to post them in the discussion tab. If you're listening to this as a podcast, um, please review and subscribe wherever you do so. Paul is here and we're going to get started. Hey, Paul, how are you today? Uh oh. Paul, are you there? Hey, there I am. <laughs> Perfect. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jackson. How are you, man? I am. I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little tired. I just got back from visiting some friends, and I was on a red eye flight. So I'm I'm looking forward to a nap after I do some more work. But uh, but I'm good. I'm excited, <laughs> to, excited to talk some some Sixers. Um, so I, I do. Before we kind of get into the before we kind of bounce back and forth off some ideas, I just want to give my rundown of how I interpret all of this. And how we got to this point, and then I'm sure, obviously, you can kind of pick apart and bounce off of that. But um, yesterday, I did kind of tweet my interpretation of it, uh, and I think I was too negative in the way that I framed it. It came off as blaming the Sixers, and it wasn't meant to be that way. My only, my only kind of point was that the way the last three months, and if you want to date back to when he was involved in James Harden trade talks haven't necessarily conveyed a ton of commitment to Ben, and deservedly so at this point. Ben has not really gotten better uh, offensively. He's obviously taken strides defensively in in a multitude of ways, but um, I don't think this front office has really shown a commitment to Ben. Not that they honestly should show the foremost commitment to to a team, to a guy who is supposed to be number two on a title contender. Um, But I just think you know any, any human wants to go where they're wanted, and I don't think this is a place where necessarily Ben feels wanted by this front office and i think kind of the counter to that has been well look what they did they gave him a max offer sheet that chose me butler over him or they chose him over jimmy butler that all feels immaterial immaterial to me because it's a different front office daryl Morey's only been in charge for 10 months now and they've tried to move him twice and again understandably so i'm not trying to blame the Sixers for reaching this point ben is the reason that it's gotten here because he hasn't developed offensively but I think just looking at it through a rational lens, it's important to realize that it, it makes sense. That this is the point we've gotten to. Um, so that's just kind of my opening monologue on it. Um, again, not trying to blame the Sixers and Ben is, is, is certainly, you know, deserved the most culpability in this, this situation. But I think it, it does make sense maybe why he would like out now, because especially the last two and a half months have not really showed commitment to him. And human nature would say you would not like to work at a place like that. Um, but at the same time, Ben hasn't really earned that level of commitment. So I get that. But Paul, anything you want to take out of that from my little, you know, spiel or anything, but just what are your initial thoughts on this, this news since it's been about 24 hours, maybe about 26 hours at this point since we've had time to digest everything. Yeah. You know, I I think disappointment was the first thing I thought when it, when it, when it came out, uh, disappointment for a lot of reasons, just thinking like, you know, I, I, Maybe I'm naive to feel this way, but I, I kind of thought that they that you know the, the trades that the Sixers were interested in, um, you know, not even you know not even necessarily Damian Lillard or whatever. I just don't think that the trade that the Sixers thought was fair was out there, and I thought it was going to get to a point where they were going to go into a camp, they were going to go into training camp with Ben Simmons, and that you know he could possibly start the season here. I, I thought that seemed like a possibility. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I, I thought that that's how it would kind of go. And I thought Ben Simmons would, you know, cl- like kind of to what your point was, I, I, you know, figured he would come in with a chip on his shoulder, be a little pissed off. And, 
you know, maybe really show out during training camp, really show off, uh, show out during the, the season and perhaps reestablish that value and show those things that we, you know, when he has been great, show those things off and either reestablish his value to the 76ers um, and, and to maybe show that he can kind of uh, contribute to winning with Joel Embiid, with Tobias Harris, with the core that's in place, or establish his value to the point where a, another team would offer a more favorable package um, and then also maybe Ben goes to a place that's a little bit more desirable than some of the other places that were mentioned. Um, you know, the three California teams. I mean, to me, that's I, I don't see a path, uh, certainly not to the Lakers or the Clippers. There's just there's no path to that happening. And even Golden State, I, I don't know how they pull that off without getting a third team involved, because I, I don't I mean, I, could the Sixers take on Andrew Wiggins? I mean, maybe, but it, uh, that's like I don't know. To me, I made a joke that like that would be like my that would be my Joker origin story is if the Sixers <laughs> got Andrew Wiggins for Ben Simmons. Like um, I and and you know yeah sure like could you get um, a, a, you know Wiseman Kaminga uh, Moody? Those are all really good, really good young players, but they are young players. I don't mm-hmm. know how they help you get to you know the, the goal is to you know build around Joel Embiid to build a championship caliber team around him. And I don't know how that accomplishes that. So not to get too far down the road with that, but cause I'm sure we're going to, you know, talk more expansively about it, but just, yeah, like disappointment was my biggest thing. Cause I really thought, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be hunky dory and kumbaya and everyone was going to be happy, but I thought that at least, you know, I thought what was best for everyone, the Sixers and really Ben Simmons was for him to show up to camp, um, come in with a chip on his shoulder and, um, yeah, and really show out and, and increase his value. I think your point is fair that, you know, it, it's clearly a team that hasn't demonstrated a ton of interest in, in his long-term future. And then, yeah, it's also fair to say that Ben Simmons also hasn't done enough to help himself. Uh, it, it's, it's a, reg- it's been a regression. It has been the last, you know, he's been in three postseasons, and each one, he has looked worse offensively in the second round of each one. Um, when we look back to that Celtic series, it's not as bad, actually, as we remember it, just mm-hmm. because the last two have been so bad. And it's just, I, 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 I tend to lean more toward, I, 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 I think the Sixers kind of played this right. I mean, it's not like Rich Paul was in the dark. You know, they, they discussed it during the combine, that that was the possibility, yeah. that they, that they mm-hmm. were going to, um, you know, that they, that they, that they, they were open to exploring trade possibilities. And Rich Paul was on board and said, yeah, sure, we'd be agreeable. Now we're at a point where it sounds like Ben Simmons is desperate to get out of here. So, yeah, again, just I would say just disappointment is going to be probably the big, big word I keep throwing around. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because I, I think I did a mailbag episode on here last Wednesday or Tuesday. And I had very similar thoughts to you about how things maybe could, you know, unfold move, moving forward uh, with the Ben Simmons situation. It was like. Obviously, I'm never going to tell you know a player what they should do what's for the best of them. But I, but I try to explain as so well. I think there's absolutely a path where Ben shows up to camp and you know reminds teams what makes him a guy who's made three All Star games and was an All NBA player a year and a half ago. Uh, and so like that's. But now you know obviously we're not going to get to that point most likely. Uh, but yeah, I think I think what's so interesting is as you mentioned, like I think comparatively each second round has been more frustrating because after that first one like he ended the year on a tear without Joel and he was awesome against the heat in the first round and then uh you know was okay in that opening game against you know the Celtics uh had, was pretty sloppy had seven turnovers but then the one point game came and he was okay after that but it was such like a a stark contrast to this guy who looked like he was playing like a top 20-ish guy uh but then you know it was, just, it was such a surprise but then the last couple of years you've been more I guess he didn't play the last year's playoffs, but the last two playoff appearances in the second round, you've been more ready to kind of brace yourself for the drop-off. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, you look back at it and you're like, yeah, I guess Ben's first postseason was probably his best, at least offensively. You know, the defense has been been stellar, you know, the last couple of seasons as well. But, yeah, I think you know, the way it's just – it was just so weird to have gotten to this point. Um, and Derek Bodner had a really good article at the Athletic. There's been a lot of good you know, articles and podcasts that went on with the situation over the last you know day or so. But um, Derek had a good one that I think kind of took a, a distinct lens on it and and made clear how kind of 
weird of a situation this is. Usually when a team is trying to move a perennial all-star, which what Ben is, he's made three set all-star teams, um, it's because they're going to pivot to a rebuild. The Sixers are not that by any means. They have a guy who just finished second in MVP voting. Uh, they have Daryl Morey, who is you know, known for kind of putting teams at least on the cusp of title contention. And here they are trying to trade Ben Simmons, who you know is one year into his max contract, made an All-NBA team again like a year ago, uh, and you know was was Rookie of the Year, looked like a future superstar, you know, three years ago. So, just a really kind of strange sequence of events that, again, is is almost ex- exclusively tied to Ben's stagnation offensively. Um, but at the same time, I understand why we've gotten here. You know, when you look at it from the Sixers side of things, and and the other thing I wanted to point out is that I've seen, and I, I don't ever want to like punch down or use straw men things, but I've seen enough people talk about like. You know, what gives Ben or Simmons the right to like, you know, demand a trade or any things? And it's like because like because he's in a situation that doesn't feel as though he's committed to him. Again, he he deserves most of the blame for that, but like you shouldn't have to ever have to work for somewhere that doesn't that doesn't show doesn't show investment in you and that's that's where we're at. So like it doesn't matter the caliber of player, of course you're more likely to get to go where you'd like if you are the Anthony Davises or the James Hardens or maybe the Damian Lillards, you know, in the next year or so. But it doesn't mean that Ben doesn't have the, the right to ask out if he's in a place that doesn't feel committed to him. So um, that's just one thing I want I wanted to point out. I think it's really important to balance all of this. Like, I, I am totally fine to be as respectfully scathing of Ben Simmons' offensive stagnation. But I think sometimes I've seen from both fans and media is we tend to conflate what a player does as an athlete versus, like, who they're as a human. There gets to be some ad hominem attacks, and that just gets kind of nasty to me. So... I think, I, like, I again, I'm fine. But I, I've been very, very critical of Ben over the last three months, uh, both via podcast and written form. But I think it's important just focus solely on the basketball part of it and realize that, you know, it's it's basketball. And at the end of the day, it's like it's a very trivial matter. Of course, this is both what you and I, you know, do to make a living, Paul. But um, just want to get that part out here, too. It's not me trying to, you know, have everyone sympathize with Ben. I get it. But I think there's definitely kind of a fine line that hasn't always been um, – properly maintained, especially over the last two and a half months or so, but um, no, anything, anything yeah. else you kind of want to get in there? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say um, two things. One, to kind of counter you a little bit, and then another that kind of corroborates what you're saying. Um, one, I would say, and, and like, and you know me, I'm a big, like, these guys are human beings. They are, yes, they are basketball players. That is what they do, but that's not who they are. Like, they, they are human beings, and I respect that, and I've really, you know, I, I Throughout this, I've really tried to um, give Ben Simmons proper respect for, you know, admitting that some of this was mental and, he, you know, he was clearly going, you know, and I think mental health and especially when it pertains to athletes, you know, everything uh, Naomi Osaka has done, like that's, you know, really pushed that more to the forefront. So I, I, I definitely want to be respectful of that and understand that they are humans and that they go through things and all and that, that's 100 um, percent that's that's the reality but at the same time it, it is a business and part of the business does you know it does sometimes happen that players get traded uh that's that is part of the deal um that's part of why they make a lot of money and that's part of the deal um so you know i, I while i i totally i think it's a very fair point that the sixers have not shown that they've really been fully committed to him that's totally fair they have not um, I'll say the James Harden thing, I always felt more like that wasn't them necessarily wanting to trade Ben as much mm-hmm. as it was, we have an opportunity to get James Harden, so we're we're comfortable with, you know, yeah. with giving up. Because you got to give to get, so we're comfortable giving up Ben Simmons. <laughs> this offseason felt more like, okay, like, we need to find, we need to look into better options. Um, and the fact that Simmons' camp was on the same page, it seemed like, I don't know. It's a, like a, like I, I guess I just kind of see both sides of it. I see the business side of it, and I see the human side of it. And I, I, I guess I can. I, I don't know that I feel compelled to say one is right and one is wrong. I think they're just both things to consider when looking at the the situation overall. But then the other thing I would say, as far as like Sixers fans, I mean the reality is a lot of people have wanted this guy. Like <laughs> as soon as this, the the Hawks series ended, it was oh get Ben Simmons out of here. Um, so you can't have that sentimentality towards him and have those emotions toward him. And then when he asked to be out three months later, <laughs> then be pissed off because that's, how is that fair? Um, yeah. 
like say what you want about Ben Simmons. It's fair to criticize him, like you said, as a basketball player. Fair to criticize, um, you know, how poorly he was offensively in that Hawk series. But the re- like everyone wanted it. Not everyone, but a, a lot of fans mm-hmm. showed a lot of vitriol toward him and wanted him out. And now he is agreeing with you that he would also <laughs> like out. So I think it, there's a little bit of a hypocritical nature there um, with that. But at the same time, I think some people were still. Maybe had like one toe in on Ben Simmons, and now this mm-hmm. kind of they're kind of out now. So um, yeah, I, I'm going to be really intrigued to see, to see what happens over the next few weeks, and, and as we inch closer to training camp. Yeah, and I think I think the the I don't, again I'm not ever gonna, I'm not going to like make an ad hominem criticism, but I think if you're going to at all like talk about like the human side of things, it's the idea that like you know Ben by whatever I, I don't think. I, I don't know Ben, like, personally, I don't know, I, I, I'm not privy to his workout habits, but I think whatever he has done during the offseason most years offensively has not worked. And so I'm not going to call him that he doesn't work hard, but I think whatever he's done has not proven effective. And so I think in that sense, you could say that, like, he has kind of let down his teammates in some ways. And again, like, I don't, like, mean on a human level, but I think, obviously, like, all these guys want to win really badly. And so whatever Ben is doing in the offseason is kind of not allowing it to happen to its fullest degree, and you would... And maybe he has changed things up, um, you know, in terms of his, his workout approach during the offseason. But that would be the one thing I would really be critical of. It's like you have guys. Yeah, I mean, yes, Tobias Harris struggled in, in, in the second half of the postseason. But he's taken big steps forward. Joel has obviously developed a ton. Um, you know, Matisse was better this year. You have you have guys who have proven to find ways to, you know, really grow as players. And Ben hasn't. So that's not to say, like, oh, like he's not working hard. But I think that would be the, the one kind of angle if I could take something, you know, like, this is what these guys do. For a lot of them, it means you know, it's it's not that it doesn't mean a lot to Ben, but that's just kind of how I would try at least maybe see where it gets into that sort of thing. Um, but it's a really delicate line. I don't want to overstep my bounds there. And the only thing I so I definitely agree about the guy was all aboard, you know, trading for trading for James Harden and, ha- and kind of having Ben Simmons be the centerpiece of that. I would always just wonder, you know, from, from Ben's perspective, you know, they got swept in the first round without him. He was named an All NBA guard, you know. They were for basically the best season of his career, and this new guy comes in, and Daryl Morey, and, and it was kind of leading the front office, and they're immediately trying to tr- trade, you know, Ben after his best season and after a postseason where they got swept in the first round. So that I mean, like I, again, I was pro trading Ben Simmons, but I just wonder from that, from maybe his perspective, that's something he took into account and felt a little like he didn't get a fair shake from from the start. And again, I I don't think he was worth getting the fair shake in terms of a James Harden. <laughs> type of thing like if it was mm-hmm. a, a player who's a top 20 top 30 guy um that was maybe available for ben then yeah i would have gotten it like if kyle lowry was available and they were they were considering moving ben then yeah i totally would have got it but i just wonder if maybe that's some of it too like you know coming off an all-nba season a year where clearly they missed him in the bubble losing the celtics um there are other factors too of, of course but um that's just maybe some of the things that maybe could have fresh again I, I don't want to project too much I, I don't know i haven't had any conversation with him or anyone close to him on that matter but just maybe how I, I kind of view things there. Um, but the the other thing that I, I did want to kind of shift to is the whole the whole Doc Rivers part of this is where I, I really take some exception. Um, because all year, I mean, you and I were on Zoom calls the entire year. Basically, any time a media member, whether it was justifiably or unjustifiably, so tried to levy some sort of criticism against Ben, Doc was his fiercest defender. And I get it. Like, that's... If that's what you want to do as a coach, like you want to make sure he, you know, you, you show, you know, confidence in him, then that's what you should do. But to immediately change your tune in the moment the season ends and that and Ben plays a big role in that, like I could see why I, I, that one comment would really, really frustrate me. I think there was, I think Keith uh, Pompey went on went on ninety seven five yesterday and said that was something that really bothered Ben. And people are like, well, it's just one comment. But like, if Doc's going to say one thing the entire season for seven months, and the moment the year ends. You're still you don't know anymore. Like I like I could see why that would really frustrate you, maybe fracture a relationship. Because it's not like Doc has coached Ben for three or four years, right? It's not. So that's my interpretation of things. Like I, I just I, that just really kind of I could see why that would really you know not not set off Ben, but really kind of you know resonate with him. You know, all year this guy is defending you, and then the moment the season ends, he is not. He's, he was he's so sure that you know the scoring doesn't matter all the time. It's about the defense, and all of a sudden the season ends and. Maybe he's not sure that you're the guy to be the ball handler, you know, in the championship team. So, what's your read on that? That's just something that kind of resonated and stuck with me. That I thought really kind of I, I did see why that could be something that that 
frustrated Ben and, and was one of the more key factors, you know, in maybe him reaching this point. So I'm the type of person who, and, and you know, maybe Ben, I mean, it's very possible that Ben Simmons and I are very different people and we think <laughs> very differently, but I tend to lean more towards my experiences with people in their totality, as opposed to one comment made mm-hmm. after an emotional game seven, after an emotional series, um, you know, I, I just think, and, and to me, I get what you're saying that, you know, it, it's not me. Like, do, could doc have answered that better? Yes. Um, I do think he could have answered it better, but at the same time he said, he didn't know if he could be the, the point guard on a championship caliber team. That wasn't to say, um, no, that he can't be. And it also wasn't to say that he doesn't know whether Ben Simmons can be a player in general on a championship team. Cause I think that, I think Doc does believe it. I think Doc – and then the other thing that adds to kind of the weirdness of that is a couple of days later, exit interviews, we talked to Doc Rivers, and he says, yeah, I met with Ben Simmons. It went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden it's – apparently it didn't go – either it didn't go as well as Doc Rivers portrayed it or something happened between then and this trade demand because, um, yeah. I, I mean, it just and it just seems weird to me, Jackson, like that – because as you mentioned, all year, Doc Rivers defended him up and down, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances were. And it seemed like Ben, more so than we ever heard with Brett Brown, who Ben had a previous relationship with, with Brett Brown. I mean, he knew, you know, his, he coached his dad. Like, they, they knew each other. So, but I would say that I felt like Ben had a, already had a better respect um, with, for Doc Rivers than he ever felt for Brett Brown. I think largely because Doc played. Um, was a professional in the league for a long time. And then, two, he was a coach that won a championship. So I think those two things really, you know, really resonated with Ben as, okay, this is a guy I really need to listen to. This is a guy that, you know, can, can help me. And I think Sam Cassell was a big part of that, too. Mm-hmm. Sam Cassell um, was a huge part in, 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 you know, being on Ben and in Ben's development and, and all that. And, and multiple guys, not just Ben, multiple guys, Sam was a really big part in, um, in the seasons they had, including Tobias Harris. But – yeah, I, I just – him and Doc, I, I thought, did have a really good relationship. I really thought that that was the case. It seemed like it all year long from both sides. So it just seems odd that one comment mm-hmm. – um, granted, again, could Doc have answered it better? Yes, but it seems odd to me that one comment after a season's worth of all of these compliments and a season's worth of all of this trust and everything and this relationship that, that developed and grew – for that one comment to kind of set it off to a point where we are now, uh, it just seems, it seems extreme to me. Like it seems, I feel like there's gotta be more to that than just that comment. Um, uh, And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is just that comment, but it just seems like the totality of their relationship um, was better than that. So uh, I personally am a little surprised that it was that comment um, among other things that really kind of put Ben over the edge to wanting completely out of Philadelphia. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair too. I, th- I think may- maybe maybe to me maybe maybe my 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 analysis of how kind of how the Doc Ben situation in the media played out all years. I I always viewed some a, a lot of not a lot some of the criticism of Ben's struggles to be valid and for Doc to I so I, maybe I always took it a little less at face value um, and then maybe Ben didn't. So that's maybe that's just my view of it. I, like, I don't, you know, I'm not like saying like Doc doesn't know what he's doing or anything like that, but like. But I, I when sometimes when people would talk about you know a game where Ben was three of eleven and 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 had eight points and the team lost by four, maybe they won by fewer points than they should have against an inferior opponent. And you know Doc is talking about the defense he played. I'm kind of like, well, like, well, maybe like there's some legit legitimacy that like he's he's your second best player. Like he's got to score more than eight points on on nine shots, uh, things like that. So maybe that's just me kind of being a little more cynical and not taking things at face value. Um, but I absolutely kind of see where it coming from too on that. Um, but I, but I guess like I, I don't want this entire like stream or podcast to be like the the Ben Simmons pity party. I hope for anyone listening, it's not <laughs> how you're you know interpreting my words because I do just wonder like we're we're four years into Ben's we're four seasons into Ben we're five years into him being in, you know in the NBA like like when when does something change like like I, like it could have been after year one when the Celtics figured things out again it could it could have been after year two when he struggled against the Raptors and then they ultimately like. Most reports that have come out since then are that they 
they decided to go with Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler because Jimmy kind of relegated Ben to an off-ball role, and, and Ben wanted to you know be that on-ball guy for the most part. And again, that's I know like I'm not trying to say that's why Ben just still want to be in Philadelphia, but like how did that change the offensively? And then year three, you see like you know the team could really use your services and, and like how good you were in that January stretch before you got in, you injured your back, like. And then, and now year four, and again, I guess I can't like say how, what's going to happen after year four yet, but like, I just, I'm just, I'm, it's always, it's when, it's like, when, when, Ben, like, when is, when is, when is something going to change offensively for you? Like, you've had enough, like, experience that you think would, like, kind of alter whatever you're doing. Again, like, I don't, I'm not saying it's not working hard, but like, whatever he's doing is not worked. Like, there was that clip that came out a few days ago where, like, they were in a pick and roll with Ben in training, and, and the guard, the guard is going over the screen. Like, mm-hmm. like, what does that solve? No, like teams aren't going to go over screens against Ben when he runs a pick and roll. Like, I just, I just, I just feel like we're still waiting for, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be the year that like this setback changes Ben's off game offensively, and it's like, I feel like we've had enough of him at this point, you know, or even great stretches of him offensively. You know, we'll talk about this year's All Star push again. Last year, January twenty twenty, um, his end of year rookie year. Like, like when is it all going to come together? And I think there's been enough there to like have it happen. And I'm not to say it's not going to happen, but it feels like there's been a, a lot of waiting and, you know, kind of everyone it's, it's somehow it's like at some point, like it has to be on Ben. It can't be on everyone else around Ben. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just wondering when or if that's ever going to, you know, materialize for him in his career. Yeah, no, it's so we recently at Liberty Ballers, we did a, a round table of kind of like the way I framed it was the worst value you would accept in a Ben Simmons trade, which a bunch of us might want to amend what we what we had a few days ago. Um, but then again, maybe not. Who knows? But um, um, Steve Littman, uh, who does the uh, Gastroenteritis Blues podcast, who is a very funny dude and very passionate Sixers fan and, and very clever, he had, I thought, was the best line of the entire roundtable. He said, expecting Ben Simmons to come into camp and fix his offensive deficiencies is expecting him to, it would be like expecting him to come in eight feet tall. And it's like, but that's, it, it just, that's how it feels. It almost, it feels impossible at this point. Cause like you alluded to when, like w- when is it going to happen? Like every off season, we kind of ask our, like in Philadelphia, it's the same thing every year. It's, Hey, here's these shooting videos where he looks great. It looks smooth. He's firing away. No hesitation whatsoever gets in the game and that player doesn't show up. Um, so I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I had like, a sliver of optimism that this could be the year because I thought mm-hmm. this year, as much as the, yeah, the previous seasons, but this year he shot what 34% from the free throw line. And quite frankly, I mean, and that's not, not that it's fair and not that I enjoy this or relish it, but he was kind of the punchline for the, for, 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 for the rest of the NBA. Like everyone was making fun mm-hmm. of him. Everyone was critiquing him. You know, he got made fun of at the ESPYs um, like, so I felt like this offseason, like if this was not the offseason, then I felt like it's never going to happen because yeah. this is the one that was truly, uh, as we've kind of already talked about, this was the worst of, of the three postseasons by far offensively. Um, he, he just – and it's not even necessarily – like I, I could deal with him – like I, it, it, I could deal with him committing 10 turnovers if he's aggressive. What you can't have is him – sitting in not even a dunker spot. Like, I don't even know what you would call the spot he was sitting in half the time on some of their yeah. offensive sets in the fourth quarter. Um, you, he's just he's just taking up space, and, he, and he's hurting. Yeah. He's hurting. He is hurting the offense. And that's, to me, that's where, that's maybe what differs from the other postseasons. I think you can make an argument. The Celtics series, the Raptors series, he didn't necessarily hurt the offense, but he didn't help it. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, I would say flat out, he hurt the offense. And you saw it down the stretch where they just could not score. Um, Joel Embiid was getting a ton of attention. Uh, and basically, Ben Simmons' def- defender was allowed to double team and kind of almost roam the floor and do what they wanted. Um, so that it just really hurt their offense. And I thought, again, this is the first time where it was like, wow, like this is, again, not only is he not helping, he is just flat out hurting this team offensively. So... Yeah, I mean, I, it's it, it's 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 been like that for the last you know, last this is going on the fourth year of it. Of when is this going to change? When is it going to get better? Um, and I'm now convinced that no matter wherever he gets traded, 
uh, it's going to be better because <laughs> it'll just be a big F you to Philadelphia and he'll feel, again, that chip on his shoulder. He'll come in wherever he is, very pissed off, and probably play great. And you know what? I- I'm good for him. Uh, yeah, I think you know the biggest indictment you can you can make uh, is they chose to play the 21st overall pick rookie over him in a do-or-die game six down the stretch. And the uh, rookie showed out and kind of saved their season. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that, and if that's and, and this is Ben Simmons, former number one all pick, three time all three time All Star, three time or one time All NBA, uh, you know, rookie of the year. Like he's he's supposed to be kind of right in the approaching his prime when they are playing a non lottery rookie six two guard over him, and it, it was justified. And I think that that's really kind of an indictment on, on how much he struggled down the stretch there. But uh, yeah, I think. You know, and I, I wrote a piece right after the season ended, kind of before everything really started to unfold, kind of around the precipice of it, where I talked about kind of, you know, the first the first year was understandable. You know, a rookie against a savvy defensive coach and a good defensive personnel struggling. Okay, like you 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 brushed it off, you figure it out. Like you know, first postseason for a lot of stars, they they have setbacks and they they, they figure it out. I mean, look at Joel. I mean, Joel was not was not great in that that first uh, playoff run, and you know, he isn't by perfect by any means now, but he's a lot better. Um, year two, you know, he was he yeah, was adjusting to an off ball role. He's still only a second season. Like I get it, but year four, like you're against a team that you should beat. You're the number one seed. You have home court advantage. You've had two other, you know, playoff failures to kind of you know forge yourself. And you're you're you're, you're as as bad as you've ever been offensively. Um, there, there's no way around that. But uh, yeah, I see you, you saw that one, Paul. But Sam calls it the <laughs> clunker spot, which I think is which is a good one there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just. It just is such a strange situation, and I mean, you cover the Sixers long enough. I mean, I'm, I think I'm going on my will be my fifth year entering here at some point in some capacity, which is wild to think about. Um, you cover long enough, you kind of get used to this, but it's so strange. And I, I, I do, I am curious. So like, is any of your mind when you think about this, like, is there any chance this is somewhat of a bluff that that, that Simmons and his, you know, and, and kind of his agency is trying to accelerate trade discussions, like or and like, if they can't find something immediately when training camp starts, that he'll he'll report. Or do you think, like, just based on kind of how you read things in the situation, that this is entirely legit? Like, he's he's not going to set foot back in the you know Sixers uniform or Sixers facility. I will say a couple of things about it are interesting in the way uh, it was reported. And Grant, like Keith Pompey, obviously is is very good at his job. He's a very good reporter. He's a reliable reporter, and I'm sure. That source was a very close one to Ben Simmons um, that, that gave him that story. But at the same time, um, none of the real big fish kind of ran with it. Um, so I found that kind of interesting. And the other thing I find interesting is that it wasn't like a formal request by Ben Simmons. And he has, he's been pretty silent on social media. He just posted a picture of himself yesterday like on the court. Um, on his Instagram story when this was all, when chaos was ensuing. So um, I do think, I would not be surprised if that happens, what you're talking about. If this is kind of a game of chicken and Daryl Morey says, okay, I'll take the bait. And if I don't see a deal I like, go ahead and hold out. And I, I, Daryl Morey to me seems like the kind of guy who doesn't, for lack of a better term, doesn't respond well to threats. So this certainly felt like a threat. And so I could see Daryl Morey kind of calling that bluff and saying, okay, then hold out. Because the other thing too is, does it really hurt his value if you're the Sixers? Um, And that's the other thing. As we've kind of stepped away from this, because like you said, it's it's been, you know, over 24 hours now. I just think like at first, my first thought was, oh, man, like this is it. Like they're they're not going to get what maybe they could have gotten for him. This is really going to hurt his value. I, all that was in my head. But now that I've really thought about it, um, the teams that were interested in him are still going to be interested in him. This isn't going to change that. And the situation still is the same. He's still under contract for four years. Uh, and he's still the same player. So even if he holds out, his value to me doesn't really change. So could Daryl Morey theoretically hold on to him? Sure. Uh, I, I could see that happening. Now, I guess it's up to Morey to weigh what's better to take the best offer that's on the table right now or to wait it out a little bit and possibly deal with the distraction of what that would look like at media day in training camp. Cause we all know how that will look. I mean, this is Philadelphia <laughs> there. 
Every player that talks is going to get grilled about it. Poor Tyrese Maxey, what he's going to have to go through with all this, the questions he's going to get asked. I'm already cringing thinking about what that poor kid's <laughs> going to have to go through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not impossible. I, I could certainly see that scenario playing out 100%. Yeah, I think that, that kind of that first leading point you made about how, you know, we didn't get – we didn't get something, you know, from Wode or Shams on this. Not to say that Keith is, isn't, you know, a reputable, you know, subject on this, but usually when that sort of thing comes from a local beat guy, it generally kind of ripples into the national scene. And and Shams has been pretty on top of this by like he's used a lot of like it's a when not if like the writings on the right. wall. Uh, and so obviously, like everyone knows, like Ben Simmons will not be here probably by the new year. Like I think that's kind of a, a safe over under, but. But yeah, I think that. I guess I'm sorry. I just I'm sorry. I just real quick. I just want to clarify because, like, yeah, totally. I'm not trying to um, to kind of poo poo Keith. I, like, that's <laughs> not at all what I'm trying to say. And I would also act like I just feel like it also gives Simmons kind of like a little bit of wiggle room where mm-hmm. if that's not his intention, like if the holdout thing was a bluff and he gets called out on it, he could still show up to camp and be like, "Nah, I never said that." You know what I mean? Like, I feel. I think. He's given himself a little wiggle room by going about it this way too. But sorry, go ahead. No, no, I agree too. And I think, I think you know, it, the careful thing is here. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to tear down Keith because he does a lot of really good work. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because I, I feel like you know during the Harden stuff or the AD stuff, it was it was generally kind of shared you know knowledge among beat and national guys. But but uh, I think you know what else is interesting is you know. What we talked about earlier, there's maybe a pathway to for Ben Simmons to recoup some some value, maybe widen or broaden his his spectrum of suitors by coming back and playing, reminding people, yeah, this is a guy who you know averages sixteen nine nine and and plays you know one through four defense and is, does it better than anyone else in the NBA. Um, we we should be interested in this guy despite his, his playoff struggles. Whereas now, like there, it, him sitting out isn't going to lessen his value, but there's just no pathway to improving it at this point. And and like, yeah, the Sixers would be considerably worse without their second, third best player, however you want to distinguish between him and Tobias. Um, but Daryl, it strikes me as a front office guy who who knows what he has in Joel and knows like if they build the proper team around Joel, they can win a title. And Ben playing as their second best player, or third best player doesn't change that. But like, they, so they can be patient. Like, like yeah, it'll take some lumps because Ben helps them a ton in the regular season. He also helps them in the first round. Um, but they can be patient and kind of figure things out and see, you know, see how it unfolds. Cause also they, they, like, I think, I think Ben would like to play basketball, right? Like, so like, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to, he's going to like fold and like that, but like there might come a point where he's like, yeah, I, I would like to get back on the court and, and play NBA games. Uh, and so I am curious kind of how that unfolds uh, again. If, like, you know, we have, we have a, you know, some sort of precedent, you know, with, you know, Anthony Davis sat a lot, a lot of games um, you know, before the, you know, after the All-Star break, after his, he's also a clutch guy. So um, different caliber of star. Um, he's obviously a superstar. Ben, I think, is kind of on that, that cusp of, of being a star, whatever you want to call him there. But I think, so just kind of a long-winded ramble for me to say it's complicated. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of different ways it could, you know, transpire, but I wouldn't really be surprised by any of them. Um, but I think, you know, your point is your that point about how the the trade value isn't going to lessen. Like, uh, if Ben plays regular season games, he's probably going to, you know, maybe inspire a little more confidence and whatnot. But if he doesn't, you know, like, obviously things aren't going to change. And and one of the things that Derek wrote in his article, like, if you subscribe to The Athletic, uh, would absolutely go check it out, that I thought was good, is, like, you don't know how, like, the circumstances around some of these suitors could change. Maybe that, that alters, like, the pattern. Maybe a guy gets injured, or maybe, like, Maybe or an opponent, or a, a, team, a, a guy gets injured that opens up a playoff spot, or a guy gets injured and they, they need to replace you know via Ben. So like how those sort of things happen? Because for a lot of teams, like like I don't know if the top I had haven't thought about, but like there are some teams in the NBA where Ben is Ben is the best player. He's the second best player, um, and obviously you know he's, he was he's been the second best player you know for a couple of years in the Sixers. But um, and, and and making the playoffs matters. Like if you can get Ben for you know a couple a couple of picks and maybe a starter and a bench guy. Uh, and that's going to kind of put you into that play-in spot or, you know, that top six spot maybe, like, like then you'll probably be interested in that because, again, making the playoffs matters a ton. It doesn't matter as much to the Sixers because they've now done it four years in a row. Um, so I, I just wonder, I think that was a really good point from Derek, that, like, circumstances could change for suitors, not just for the Sixers, and that's something to keep an eye on too. So um, that's kind of my my thoughts on, on that part of anything else you wanted to kind of 
add to this entire situation that has been on your mind, you know, since it became public yesterday? Yeah, I mean, just what you're kind of saying there as far as the the, the other shooters, um, I like a team like Minnesota or a team like Sacramento, I think they should be just as desperate um, today as they were two days ago to get Ben Simmons because he can be the difference between them you know, missing the playoffs again and perhaps mm-hmm. getting in that playoff playing game. I mean, that that's entirely possible. Um, you add Ben Simmons to the mix with Carl Anthony Towns, and that's that's and also you know, assuming they don't have to trade Ann Edwards, that's a really intriguing trio um, mm-hmm. that could theoretically play together for a long time. So, uh, or again, Sacramento, if you're you know, depending on what you have to give up there, with what they you know that any I would. To me, if I'm Darren Morey, I would want I would want Halliburton. I don't think that they're going to do that. Uh, really, I would want the Aaron Fox, but they're really not going to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah. But the but the point being, if you add Ben Simmons to that mix with whomever, you know, Ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox, that's that's a pretty intriguing combination that you could perhaps build around and maybe build a a, a team that could at least win a playing game or you know make a playing game, perhaps win a playing game, um, and mm-hmm. that's. Not like you said in Philadelphia. That's not a big deal. Who, who cares? It's it's all about a championship here. But to other franchises who just haven't had that kind of success, like Minnesota hasn't had that success since since Kevin Garnett left. Um, Sacramento really hasn't had that success since Chris Webber left. So like those organizations are starving for that, for any shred of hope uh, for their team and for their future. So I feel I feel like those organizations should be just as desperate. Um, to get in on that um, as they were before. And it's also worth noting both of those franchises have guys in charge that have ties to Daryl Morey. So those lines mm-hmm. of communication are <laughs> have probably been open all summer and have continued to be open. Um, even a team like San Antonio, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, Ben would be a really intriguing fit, again, depending on what they'd have to give up. I think if you're the Sixers getting back in the Jonathan Murray, you know, it, it, it is very appealing because you're not losing as much defensively as you would with some other trade targets and you could talk yourself into his offensive potential still at 25 years old. So that would be a thing that might be, you know, if we're talking about things that might be more palatable for the Sixers, maybe not what they want, but if they feel like they have to move him, that could be an avenue worth exploring. So yeah, I, 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 and again, San Antonio is a team that could use a guy like that. They don't really have like, as we sit here right now, is San Antonio playing team? Probably not. Uh, They're, they're probably on the outside looking in at that. So, but if they get a Ben Simmons, that could completely change their outlook uh, in that regard, especially you get him in that, you know, Ben Simmons in that player development program under Greg Popovich, I would be really intrigued uh, to see how he would turn out there. So yeah, uh, I I think that there are still going to be plenty of teams that want Ben Simmons. There's still going to be a market for him. And, you know, there's still going to be an opportunity to get something decent. And I don't think Dow Morey, I don't think this report will force Dow Morey into taking a bad trade. Um, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you mentioned kind of Minnesota, the, the, the irony of if, if Ben and Cat them together after both, you know, maybe not meshing with Jimmy Butler, that would be a, a pretty funny outcome. There. Um, <laughs> well, and also the idea that the the, Tim, uh, the Sixers kind of waited out the Timberwolves on Jimmy Butler, and now the Timberwolves are yeah. kind of waiting out the Sixers on Ben Simmons. The irony there is also pretty funny. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, um, that's everything. I think we've t- we probably need to touch on with the Ben Simmons stuff. I'm curious, do you have any? Stray thoughts about Joel. Joel had, you know, some some tweets today um, that were not Real Madrid related for the first time in probably <laughs> a month or so. But um, anything that caught your eye there that you think, you know, is is relevant to maybe just the situation or the Sixers in general that you you think is, is you know, kind of you wanted to get off you know, off your chest? Yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, well, I think maybe after like the third tweet, he probably should have put his phone down. But. Um, <laughs> I res- I'll say I respect a couple things. Um, I respect him defending himself with that report that um, about the relationship between he and Ben, because from my under like, first of all, from covering them for years, I've never gotten the sense that they don't like each other. Um, are, are they best friends? No, but I think that's more about their personalities than it is a dislike for one another. I think they always kind of respected each other on the court and what they're capable of doing. And I think they respected each other as human beings. I don't think there was any 
bad blood ever. And with that said, I thought this year you saw a, a like a real difference in their relationship in a positive way. I thought you saw them communicating way more on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. You saw them kind of laughing and smiling more with each other. On the, I mean, you know, winning and winning the number one seed helps that. But I thought you saw more of that than ever of them just really talking, communicating. They both said it themselves when we talked to them and, and availabilities. They said it's different this year. We you know we feel we have a bigger connection. Um, clearly, that comment that Joel made again, I, that's emotional stuff that comes out after a game seven in a hard fought series. Uh, I, I'm sure Ben didn't feel great about it, but at the same time, I think Joel has kind of taken. And actually, if you read the full context of that quote, mm-hmm. Joel and B goes on to also blame himself, yeah. um, saying, "You know, I committed a costly turnover." Um, as well so it's not like just totally yeah like should again going back to doc rivers thing should could he have put it better could he have maybe just you know not maybe mentioned it sure uh i think he could have and that would have been better but i don't think it was this big horrible thing he said and i respect you beef today for coming out for you know shooting down that report and then also saying like hey i really you know i think ben simmons is great uh, I would really like Ben Simmons to stay. And I respect you on me for coming out and saying that the fan stuff. It's a little, it's a little murky because I certainly see both sides of it. Um, you're a fan. You pay a lot of money to come to games when the team's underperforming. It's your right to boo. Fair enough. Especially in this, in Philadelphia, in this city. Um, we all grew up with that. I remember my first experience at a Phillies game. They played the pirates and my dad specifically told me to boo Barry Bonds Every time he came out to the plate. So it's in our, it's like indoctrinated in us from a very young age around here. So I get it. And I, I do want, I appreciate the fans right to express their displeasure as a, as a paying customer. At the same time, um, I, I do think some stuff does get too far. I do think some of the criticism of Joel Embiid in the past, some of it was warranted. Some of it was maybe a little extreme as he pointed out uh, that WIP caller calling him fat. I think that's, you know, that's inappropriate. Yeah. That's crossing a line. That's ridiculous. Like relax. Like if you want to, if you want to comment, say his conditioning is affecting his play. Okay. That's, that's fair game. But to kind of go into that, I thought, you know, and, and, and if you're going back to kind of what we talked, talked about at the top, these guys are human beings. They react to things. Um, they're not robots. And so when you boo, when you criticize them, they're emotional, they feel it. Um, and credit to Joel B that all he did was give a shush, one time, um, and that's all he really ever did. So, I, like I said, I, I see it from both perspectives. I see, I get the fans, I get their right to boo, I get their their, their right as a paying customer, but I also understand Joel Embiid is a human being, and him, you know, it pissing him off when that happens. And at the same time, he acknowledged it, he's okay with it because it fuels him. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's murky territory. Maybe would have been better served stopping after like three tweets but at the same time i think that's why everyone loves Joel Embiid, right because he's just he's honest he's himself he's always himself and i think that's the one thing that's my biggest takeaway from his whole twitter thread was basically this is joel being joel and you know this is part of the reason why everyone in philadelphia loves him and why he wants to be here for the rest of his career yeah i i think yeah i mean i i don't yeah i don't, I don't mind booing i think obviously you know that's one part of Joel's tweet. To me, I interpreted it more as some of the, the nastier comments that he's been on the receiving end of um, throughout his career. Um, but obviously, yeah, you can take it at face value as well. He's talking about the booing, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't mind any of it. I like, I think like I, I, I like when Joel tweets, I think, as you mentioned, like, I just think it's just, it's just as who he is. It's always going to be, I mean, his, his Twitter handle or not Twitter, his Twitter display name is Joel, Joel <laughs> Embiid. Um, he's obviously toned some of that down, but, um, in recent years, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have any issue with it. I'd like, like, I, I think for me, the way I interpret it is like fans can boo and, and players can criticize that too. Like, right. So that's, that's kind of, I, I view it like, uh, of course, like if, if fans are like, if fans are like, or not fans or if athletes are getting, going to extreme measures in, in, in combating the boos and that, that's one thing, but I have no, like if booing is kind of a form of criticism usually. And if, if fans want to, if, fans want to open themselves up to that, then athletes can obviously retaliate as well. So um, that's that's kind of my, my stance on this. I'm generally aligned with you. Um, but yeah, I think if it's, you know, Joel, to me, the way I, I interpret it was largely, you know, some of the, the stuff about, you know, people questioning his dedication to win, his you know, his, physique, his physique, all these things. Like, 
um, just some of the comments that he's gotten, you know, whether it's media fans uh, over the last three or four years, despite being a top 10 player pretty much every season, um, it's been pretty strange, especially, you know, for a guy who's been through a lot. Uh, and I mean, a lot of players have a lot, but no, I, um, and I no, and I think it's fair. I, I think what he was, I think what he was, his ultimate goal was to. I mean, as much as people don't want to hear, you know, or some people don't want to hear, it, is I think he was just sticking up for Ben Simmons. I really do, and I think he was sticking up for Ben Simmons as a person because, like you said, Joel Embiid has encountered some of that ugliness from people, and Ben Simmons has certainly gotten a lot of that this offseason, where people are going after, you know. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into specifics, but things about his life, his personal life, where really it's none of their damn business um, or, or, or criticizing him for things off the court, um, again, that are just really none of their business. So, you know, you want to criticize him on the court. You want to break down his, his you know, his, his, his deficiencies on the offensive end of the floor. You want to, you know, criticize him for not dunking a basketball and passing it off to Matisse Thibel on a game seven. <laughs> All of that stuff is fair game. But when you start getting into the personal stuff, when you start getting into him, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as a person, I think that's where, yeah, there, there's clearly a line and people do cross it far too often. And, you know, to Joel's point, just because you're a paying customer, it does not give you the right to cross that line. Booing, <laughs> criticism, fair, but there, there is a line and you have to stay behind it. Yeah, I think the last point I wanted to make about just kind of the Joel side of things is I, I do, I think if, if Joel and Ben weren't such precarious fit offensively, I think there have, would have been far fewer murmurs of their seeming, you know, discordance off the court through their four or five relationship. Like I think so much of those things is like confirmation bias a little bit. Like I'm not saying that like they they're the best of friends and all that. Something that like based on kind of things I've heard and you know in reports like they're generally speaking for the most of their career had a mutual respect and got along, but they weren't they weren't best of friends or anything like that, right? So. Um, this year, as you mentioned, they clearly, you know, they were vocal about taking a step forward with their relationship, but I think so much of that was because it was like, oh, they don't fit together because they're two interior oriented offensive players. Um, so thus like they're destined to split at some point and because they're destined to split, not because of the on-court fit, because they're also not best friends off the court. Um, I can, I can guarantee you plenty of people win a lot of games or a lot of things in life or in sports and aren't, you know, the best of friends with each other. Yeah. Um, they just happen to fit really well in whatever they're doing, whether it's you know uh, just you know, life or, or sports specifically. But that's that's kind of how I, I've thought about it. I think there's definitely some confirmation bias on it. Um, again, that's not me here to say they're best of friends, but um, clearly they've taken they've made some strides at points this year. Um, and I think uh, it just wouldn't be much of a much of a a thing if, if you know if they fit better offensively together. Um, and maybe some of that maybe that's part of maybe like some of that discordance there, maybe not team building, not being ideal for them. You don't put the same team around them to maximize each of them. Uh, maybe that's part of the reason they're not like, maybe that bleeds into, I don't know, but uh, that's just kind of the, the thing I wanted to you know, acknowledge there. But Paul, really appreciate you coming on. Anything you wanted to add about anything we've discussed today before I, before I let you go? No, I think, uh, I think this is a good, uh, good, good, good time to get it out. Like, I, I'm actually glad that I took like, Taking that 24 hours, because, you know, in, in this world we live in, you have to react and you have to have like a take right away. And like you have, and it's hard to do that. Like it really is. I respect people that can do that and make it really good and really rational and, and really kind of have their minds go like that. My brain doesn't work that way sometimes. So to kind of have this wait 24 hours, have a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more time to think, it's, it, it was a very good rational discussion I thought we had today. So, I appreciate you having me on. And we got we we it out and we got the got the Joel tweet storm, so a little more content <laughs> there. But uh yeah, when I when I planned my uh my trip, I, I knew that Ben Simpson was gonna break the day before I, I returned home. So never finished. Um, that's my clairvoyancy there. But uh <laughs> anyhow, appreciate everyone for tuning in, whether it's uh on the stream or the podcast. I should be back tomorrow. I'll figure out something else to talk about. Uh, we're still in that weird kind of dead dead period until training camp, but I'll figure out something I'm creative enough. But once again, Paul, appreciate you coming on. Um, check out everything we're doing over at Liberty Ballers. Um, we're doing some pretty fun stuff as the season approaches again. Um, but in the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to all of you again soon.